0: This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit. Browns are going to win! field, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorschuk from the Canton Repository. It's intercepted! Picked by
1: Dixon Ward! Chubb will take this off.
0: Browns fans, now cover two, a podcast
1: on the Cleveland Browns. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover Two, the only podcast that matters. I'm Dan Kadar, joined as always by Browns Beacon, Browns beat reporter Nate Ulrich. Nate, besides my shoddy intro, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. My only podcast that matters, line. I ripped it off from the band the clash who used to jokingly call themselves the only band that matters uh and i have been listening to the clash so hence the this is the only podcast that matters uh, line but anywho as promised last week if you listen toward the end of our episode we talked a lot about uh, what we were going to talk about this week so in spite of my schedule being awful this week we are here to talk some Browns trade scenarios in the upcoming draft. It's less than three weeks away in Cleveland. So there's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot coming up over at beaconjournal.com. We're going to talk about some big uglies up front. We, we talked a little bit last time about um, kind of the situation at guard for the Browns and uh, the money and Wyatt Teller and, and what... What could happen down the line and why that could be a position the Browns look to target at some point. So I've come up with a few players in the middle of the draft that I'm going to bounce off Nate. See what he thinks about them potentially fitting for the Browns. But Nate, let's kind of, let's start right here though real quick before we get to that stuff. It's kind of the, the quiet before the storm a little bit before the draft. The news is light. What do you think the Browns are doing like right now as we record this on Friday afternoon?
0: I think they're locked into the draft preparation and they are locked into uh meetings, uh virtual meetings with countless draft prospects and count you know countless meetings with each other, uh coaching staff, player personal, personnel department, um analytics Analytics and research all overseen by, you know, Andrew Barry and Paul D. Podesta, Kevin Stefanski. I think that's what's going on. You know, not to say that, you know, they might not that they couldn't dabble in in some, you know, leftover uh, free agency. But I think it's full speed ahead on the draft here, closing in on it and. That's just kind of the time of year, so I think that's what they're locked in on right now. We have not
1: heard from folks from the Browns since the, their last free agent signing. If I'm correct, me if I'm wrong, but that was just in press release form. Do you think we will hear from anybody from the Browns before the draft? Are we going to get Andrew Berry again? Is Kevin Stefanski going to talk? Or are they in full lockdown mode leading up to the first round starting on, what is that, April 28th? Uh,
0: April 29th through May 1st. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The NFL has made a rule uh, that the GM has to be available shortly before the draft, uh, usually like a week out. Uh, I think that, you know, that is definitely going to continue. So we'll get Andrew Barry... I also have heard, and I don't know on the timing of this, that we can expect Kevin Stefanski and the Haslams at some point uh, to do some media availability before the draft. So, you know, that'll be virtual, and I don't know how far in advance. Now, the interesting thing is Stefanski – could be up on like around April 19th on or around April 19th, because that is actually when the off season workout program is scheduled to begin mm. uh, for you know teams throughout the NFL. So, you know, typically that's a time to roll out your head coach to s- some media availability. So he could do something in connection with that date uh, on the NFL calendar what's t b d is what that off season workout program looks like at the beginning and and really throughout <laughs> the n f l p a spearheaded by union president j c Treader does not want it to be all in person and wants more of a virtual off season program like they had last year when they had to make all those adjustments because of the pandemic, so we'll kind of see where that settles here you know in the near future but um, whether they're talking to their players in Zoom meetings or they're going to be having a bunch of guys show up to Berea to to do, you know, lifting and conditioning, um, there is that date of April 19th. So I could see Stefanski kind of uh, commemorating it with a Zoom. You know, I got to be honest with you. In, in the past, I...
1: I never really like hearing from owners that much. I, I think that a lot of them do it for vanity, but I got to tell you, man, I I'm really fascinated to hear uh, what you all have to ask the Haslam's and what they have to say, because I, I like Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry a lot, but they are experts at kind of dodging questions a little bit, which is part of their job. Sure. So I'm really fascinated, man, to see like if if the contract stuff, particularly for Baker Mayfield, gets asked to the Haslam's, you know. So that to me, that that's the one I'm actually looking forward to the most if you guys get them. Um,
0: Yeah, well, we should. And the reason why, Dan, is because normally I go to the owners meetings every year, whether it's in Florida or Arizona, they rotate it. There was no owners meeting uh, in person this year. It was a a virtual thing. And that's when they, you know, a week or two ago voted to approve that 17 game regular season schedule that we all knew was coming. Mm -hmm. But normally that would have been in person. And, you know, I would have been able to sit down along with some other Browns beat writers who made the trip with the Haslams and, you know, probably, you know, um, Paul D. Podesta, Andrew Berry. And definitely Kevin Stefanski, they do a coach's breakfast every year at the owner's meetings. And that that's like an hour long sit down session with the coach. So the fact that the Haslams didn't do that annual media availability that's normally in March at the owner's meetings means they're, you know, kind of do, you know, if, if you look at the way things are normally done. And plus, you know, the Browns, had a huge hand in getting the draft to come to Cleveland so I'm sure they want to talk about that as well.
1: Yeah, that that's a great point. And I always forget about that too, maybe because I'm still acting as a shut-in in spite of the fact that I've gotten dose 1 so far of the vaccine. I'm I'm not super excited about the draft being, you know, 45 minutes from where I live, but be that as it may, it it is coming up like Nate said April 29th in Cleveland. There's going to be a ton of, of coverage of that from us. Uh, we have some stuff up now over at BeaconJournal.com. Excuse me, Craig Webb wrote up a thing about the draft being in Cleveland and the preparations being made, so check that out. But the Browns right now, Nate, they are picking number 26 overall after their, their best season in a really long time. The catch there is obviously who is going to be available at 26. Now, we've kind of identified it seems likely that that pick should be a defensive player. And it seems most likely it should probably either be a pass rusher or a cornerback. And those are kind of premium positions. And, of course, everything will depend on if anything happens in the lead up to the draft. You know, we, we talked to and Clowney in the past. And stuff like that. So, of course, it depends on what happens in the next few weeks. But those two positions, corner and pass rusher, are extremely high on the totem pole of positional importance in the NFL right now. And so the the Browns are in a tough spot in that there's going to be 25 picks before them. So, Nate, I I have an idea, and no one was talking about this when I came up with it, and now... More people are, which is very annoying for me. <laughs> but <laughs> that's the way it goes. I, it it is. Um, I think I think we might be in store for a Browns trade up. Now, obviously, I know nothing. I'm not the one who covers the team. Uh, I'm just some guy. However, I think if there's a time for the Browns to trade up in the in the first round it is this year now before i get into the particulars of that what what are your thoughts on a possible trade-up for this franchise
0: well i think the reason why it's talked about and why it is a good idea to kick around is because they have nine picks they have two in the third round two in the fourth round And then a pick in in the other five rounds. So this is a team now that has a really talented roster. And it's hard for a lot of people close to the team, including myself, to imagine nine rookies making the final roster. So you, you would figure that because of that, it's it just it's hard to envision them making 9 picks. So if you trade up, you get a little more quality than quantity as long as your evaluations are spot on. That's why I think it makes sense. Just on that surface kind of, you know, really basic idea that where the roster is, how many picks they have, those things don't seem to be you know, necessarily compatible. So I think that's why we could see a trade up. Now, my reaction to the talk of it being in the first round is I think it's more likely that they stay at 26 than trade up. I think that trading up in, you know, later rounds probably makes more sense just because you're probably going to have you know, more cost, you know, to move up in the first round, not only from a compensation standpoint, but then you're moving yourself up on the rookie wage scale. And the Browns just, you know, not that they couldn't afford to pay a first round pick a little bit more uh, if they moved up, you know, whatever, 10 spots. I'm just throwing out random number here, but I don't know. I just think that's a consideration kind of where they are with the cap and some of the extensions that they'll probably be talking about with player players and agents this off season that we've chronicled many times before on on this pod so i want to hear your theory
1: though dan okay well i think that's a great point with the money part of it that i i did not consider even though as anybody who's listened to these podcasts like you said we we have covered the money stuff extensively um, and if anybody's missed those, go check them out on iTunes. They're all there. Ding ding! There, there's my plug for the week. But um, I, I've kind of come up with some, some instances of trades that the Browns could do that are similar that have happened recently, and and why exactly the Browns may want to trade up. So that's right. I actually took notes for for this week's podcast, which. I don't know if you listeners know this. I generally don't have notes. Um, I know that's hard to believe based on the, the opinions I share on here. But um, here's what, I, I think it makes sense to go up from 26 to go get one of those corners or pass rushes that you want. And here's, here's kind of what similar moves have cost recently. In 2019, there were two first-round trades in the the range in which the Browns are at at 26. One of them was the Green Bay Packers. They moved up from the 30th pick all the way up to 21 uh, with Seattle. And all they had, to, the Packers gave up 30 overall, 114, and 118, which are two fourth-round picks, to move up from 30 to 21. That, to me, is... That's good value for the Packers. Um, the other one that year, and this is why I'm on it a little bit more, you also had Baltimore. They traded number 22 overall to the Eagles. And in exchange, the Eagles gave up 25, fourth round number 27 overall, and sixth round 197 overall. Nate, who is the vice president of operations of the Eagles in 2019
0: ah uh, that would be Andrew Barry indeed
1: it would so there there's kind of like the cost the relative cost or it should be for the Browns to go up from 26 to a position where they might want to get ahead of like oh let's say Tennessee at 22. Tennessee probably wants cornerbacks, probably. Or you want to get ahead of uh, the Jets at 23, who could be that cornerback or pass rusher like the Browns after they take Zach Wilson second overall. So the idea is you get up to number 21. Nate, you know who has the 21st pick in the draft?
0: Uh, is it a team the head coach used to work for for like 14 years?
1: It is the Colts.
0: Oh, where
1: are the Vikings? (laughs) The Vikings are... Where are the Vikings? Uh, But anyway, while I look up the Vikings here, last year, as you recall, who made a trade in the second round? The Vikings are at 14th,
0: which is very high up there. Yeah, yeah. However,
1: second round last year, Colts and Browns made a trade. That was the Colts moved up to get Jonathan Taylor. Browns dropped back, and they got Grant Delpit and Nick Harris. Nate, I, I'm just going to put on the record now. I'm going to predict a Browns trade up with the Colts. Um, and that, that's my theory. I don't know what player they're going to get, but I, I think that's the move. What are your thoughts on my hot take
0: trade? So five spots. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it would have helped if I could have remembered that twenty-one would make sense for the Vikings because they did, you know, they weren't a, a playoff team. But I think that that's a good. I think if there is a trade up in the first round, that's that's a good logical path because it's nothing, you know, crazy dramatic. It's a team Andrew Barry used to work for and obviously had a a trading connection with last year. It Mm -hmm. gets in front of a couple cornerback-needy teams. So I think I'm sold if if they are going to do the first-round trade-up scenario that this would make a lot of sense. I think so, too. Just
1: because, like you said, they have the extra pick in the third round or they have the extra pick in the fourth round. And maybe it would just take one of those two. Maybe it's pick 91, for instance, where they say, okay, Colts, we'll give you 26 and 91. You give us 21 and, I don't know, a fifth round pick or something. Um, so that's, that is my draft trade prediction. Uh, Nate, any other trade trade thoughts before we... Switch subjects real quick, cause I know you got to get out of here actually pretty soon.
0: Yeah, well, actually, I did want to ask you something about the idea of staying at 26. Sure. So if we look at the corners, um, and we could look at addressers too, but I'm we're talking about getting a, ahead of corner needy teams. I'm still leaning toward corner being the most likely route they take in the first round. I know you... Um, You know, went defensive end last week, and we Mm -hmm. may have a galley boy riding on this ultimately, but I do want to (laughs) reserve the right to to go back to defensive end here in the next couple weeks, but we'll see. But Mm -hmm. Patrick Sertan, no chance he gets a 26, correct?
1: Absolutely no chance.
0: All right, so we know that one. Okay, J.C. Horn, Greg Newsom, Caleb Farley. I'll throw it. Asante Samuel Jr. in there. Let's just say top five corners. I mean, yeah. you can, whether you agree with that or not, but let's for, – for, the you know, the sake of this scenario, those are the five names. Mm-hmm. Sertan's gone for sure. Yes. Farley had back surgery in March, so that's interesting. Yeah, um, that's rough. Do you, <laughs> do you see any of those five guys getting into 26, including – with the Farley factor I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Samuel
1: I think does because he's it's a size thing with him. Uh Nate has a nice profile on him by the way right now over at slash sports browns Um so check that out. I think he'll be there just because he's fast but he's small. Um Farley man you hate to say it, but every year, don't you see in the draft guys plummet because of late injury stuff that pops up. And you just got to wonder if that's going to be him this year. So uh, I think, I think he'll be there. I do not think JC Horn will be there. He's really good by the way. I, I don't know if you've watched him or anybody has that much, but uh, he's very good. Mm-hmm. And Greg Newsom. Who a lot of us kind of honed in on him being possibly the guy for the Browns at 26 with the Farley stuff. I think he's a toss up now. I, I think he might be one of the guys that you trade up for. You know, Certain is potentially a top 10 pick, Horn is likely a top 15 pick, I think. So then that kind of leaves Newsom as the one where you say, hey, if we really want a cornerback, do we have to go trade up for this guy? And with the Farley stuff, I think the answer to that is yes.
0: Would you take Farley if he's there at twenty-six? Is he so good? You, I mean, we don't. It's kind of unfair, right, to ask anybody in our position because we don't know the details of the injury, or the surgery, and whether that's going to be a, you know, a long-term issue or whether you know, there's a high likelihood that it won't. So, given that this is unfair, would you take Farley at 26 if he's there?
1: Here, that, that's a tough sell, just because in addition to this late back surgery news, he sat out last season, um, which I completely respect. However, that is going to ding some guys in the draft, I feel. Uh, So he has that kind of going against him a little bit. He hasn't been a cornerback for a very long time. I think he's only played, what, two or three years of cornerback. So he's, he's extremely talented, and he has amazing size, and he's a good athlete, but he's really raw. And then you add in, again, the back stuff for the Browns, where they're coming off a season where you didn't have Grant Delpit you can have Greedy Williams because of injury stuff. And so do you want to risk it on an injury guy um, at a time where you're right there to, to compete uh, for potentially the Super Bowl? So I, I think for some teams that are around the Browns, maybe, I, I think you can sell that a little better. But I, I think for the Browns, I, I think that's tough. I, I just think that's tough to ask. Um, but who knows? He's he's so talented is the thing. But but the, the combination of factors kind of going against him in a situation the Browns are in, that that makes it tough to me. What what do you think about
0: that? I agree because you you nailed it with uh the, the Grant Delpit injury, but also I I would just add Denzel Ward. I mean Denzel Ward misses about four games a year on average. Um and you know, I, I just think that you add another corner uh with with a an investment that's as big as a first round pick to a room with a lot of injury concerns and questions already, I don't know. It it's it's pretty risky. So what I really like about the guys who might be available there Asante Samuel, it's really interesting. He only missed one game in college uh, in his three years at Florida State, and then he opted out of the final game this past season and declared for the draft. Mm -hmm. So he had had that durability. Um, The thing is, when we talk about these five guys, he's the only one who isn't six foot or taller. And you mentioned his size earlier. He's about the same size as Denzel Ward. I think ideally you would want one of the bigger guys and I think, you know, that probably had something to do with John Dorsey picking Greedy Williams. He does give them a bigger corner to pair with Denzel Ward. In a league about matchups, I think that matters. You know, I don't think I can rule out Asante Samuel because he's about the same size as Denzel Ward, but I think it is something to think about or something to worth considering. So yeah, I don't know, man. I I I'm on this Greg Newsom train here. Uh <laughs> There's a lot to like about him. And, you know, I know he did miss 3 games uh each of the past 2 seasons the injury. He he did miss 8 games in in 2018. Uh he does have an injury history too. Uh but, you know, I don't know. There's a lot to like about him and, and, and the size. And I, I just, uh, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm leaning corner, but man, maybe I was smart to hold off on that galley boy. Cause it, it might take a trade off. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I do want to ask you about two edge guys real quick. Absolutely. Before we move on to, to our sexy O-line talk. That's and right. The two guys I want to ask you about are Aziz Ojalari mm-hmm. from Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I have a story on him and the Georgia, cor- Georgia cornerbacks on Monday. Mm-hmm. Because I think those Georgia cornerbacks are very interesting. If the Browns don't go corner in the first round, we're talking about some of the issues with corner in the first round now. You know, Eric Stokes, Tyson Campbell. Could you get one of them at 59 overall in the second round or trade up for one of them in the second round? If you don't do the trade up in the first round and you got, you know, some some ammo with that extra third round, extra fourth round pick. I think that could make some sense. But Ojalari and then the other guy um, is Joe Tryon from Washington. Uh, What do you think each of those guys I, I've seen both of them as first-rounders. I've seen both of them not in the first round. I've seen both of them linked to the Browns. And both of them, to me, there isn't like isn't clear-cut, definitive scheme fit. So what do you think?
1: Well, I, I think that's absolutely true with Ojolari. Uh, to me, he's kind of the, a stand-up, edge rusher kind of player. Uh, he's he's really athletic. Um, you know, the, the best thing about Miles Garrett as a pass rusher is if you watch his ankles around the edge, it, I don't know how a human ankle can bend that way. And that, that, that and his speed is how he gets around the corner so fast. You know, the bend, the dip, whatever you want to call it. Ojolari is is. You know, he's probably the closest thing to that in this draft in terms of the ability to get around the edge. Um, he, obviously, he's not as as big as Miles, and no one is, but um, I think he might be a guy you would have to trade up for to get. I mean, he, his arms are really long. He had a great 40 time at his pro day. Um He's the whole package, really. As a pass rusher, he's just okay as a as a run stopper, but obviously that's that's not why you're drafting him. You know, with, with Tryon, I, I think he's more of a he's a guy you probably would not trade up for. I don't think. Um, again, he he's bigger. I think he's six five, uh, yeah. really long arms, productive. Um, better against the run, but he's not like, he's not a power rusher necessarily, but he's not like, he's not a speed freak athletic rusher. He's just really good overall, if that makes sense. Um, So he kind of defines the, the idea of one of those number two defensive ends, which is what the Browns would be drafting for, in a guy who is like a fringe first-round kind of player, because I I don't think he has any like special superstar traits. Whereas Ojolari does. Um, Tryon's just a really good. I think he'll be a really dependable player. I, I think he's I'm trying to figure out who I would compare him to. Just a guy who would who would do really well for you. It never be a problem and get eight to ten sacks, you know, and he's not gonna be a detriment against the run, just a a rock solid pro is what he strikes me as. So I I think he's good. I don't think you trade up for a player like him though.
0: So you're not buying any of this Aziz Ojolari not being a first round pick.
1: No, I think he's absolutely a first round pick based on his traits. Um, and he and thinks that is fringe.
0: He's on the bubble.
1: Yeah, which is where the Browns are at. You know, right. so you, you could see it happen for sure. I think he's a guy that has not gotten a lot of talk for the Browns for some reason. Um, but there, there's there's a lot to like there. He's. To me, he's just not like a super high upside kind of player for whatever reason. You know, the, the, the lack of special traits
0: type of thing. So um, do you have an ideal defensive end who's realistically there at 26 for the Browns and an ideal trade-up target for them? Well, that that's the tough
1: thing. I really like Kuwaiti Pay. Yeah, from Quiddie Pay rather from from Michigan. I think he's the best pass rusher in the draft. But I I think Ojolari could get drafted before him, just because of athleticism type stuff and burst and explosion and bend and the reasons players get over drafted sometimes a little bit. And I, I think he's good, but I think Pay is a more natural four three defensive end. And you know if if Ojolari goes higher. Hey, could drop a little, and that could be a guy the Browns move up for. So I'm not confident he'll be there if you wait at 26. The the thing that complicates it all, Nate, is what the Browns or any other team thinks of those guys from Miami, who our colleague Marla Ridenauer has written about, Jan yeah. Phillips and and Gregory Rousseau. Um, those guys are very tough evaluations for for multiple different reasons. So it, it, it's hard to say what the Browns think of those guys. If they like them, particularly Phillips, that could be a guy you go up for. So um, that, that's where it gets difficult. You know, I, I think the, the lack of access a little bit to pro days and, and stuff to talk to people makes getting like a feel for Phillips in particular, where he's had a injury stuff, He's had um he's had football desire stuff, quite frankly. I, I think that gets tough. So that that's what makes it hard to say what the Browns should do because it, it's hard to get a grasp on on what teams or the
0: Browns think of of Phillips. You ready for the Hey, if Wyatt Teller doesn't come back, who's the heir apparent? Talk. Yes,
1: um, and that that is kind of the basis of the whole thing, right? It's a Wyatt Teller contingency plan type of thing, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think so because you know people like to talk about. Well, the Browns are going to be drafting a receiver this year because look at the contracts of Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, and although probably gonna be kept together for the 2021 season you know you got a plan for the future they're not going to be together forever and you know you you got Donovan Peoples-Jones who's had a promising rookie season but you need more kind of young guys to, to to get ready to to fill in a receiver down the road in future years and that, that all makes sense. Running back, you know, you got Nick Chubb, um, whose contract is expiring after the 2021 season. But that's not talked about because you got Kareem Hunt, and you just they locked him up for a few years. And most people, including myself, think that they're going to figure out a way to continue to have a partnership with, with Nick Chubb, whether they extend him, which I think they, they will try to do. Mm-hmm. um or you know franchise him I I just don't see Nick Chubb heading out the door but when you get to Wyatt Teller and you consider the money that's wrapped up in the offensive line already I, I'm not convinced as much that he's coming back and because it's guard I don't think people talk about the Browns preparing for the future very much because it's just not as sexy as receiver it, much more fun and uh, you know, headline worthy to talk about receivers, you know, for most people. But I do think that they could very much plan for the future at guard in this draft the way they planned for center last year by picking Nick Harris in the fifth round, even though they hadn't established one of the best in the league, JC Treader as their starter. So yeah, that's a long way of saying I think this is about Wyatt Teller and what if they don't get something done with him?
1: I, I think you're spot on, especially with Chubb part of that equation. I, I kind of think that what happens with Chubb is going to dictate a little bit what happens with Teller. Because at some point, financially, there, there might be an odd man out. And I, I don't think the Browns will let it be Nick Chubb. So with, with that in mind... I have been watching some of the quote-unquote big uglies uh, who play on the interior who I think are kind of, you know, we talked about the Browns having those two third-round picks. I kind of see one of those being a guard. Maybe it'll be one of the, the following players I rattle off here. You have Ben Cleveland from Georgia who... Not only would I like to see a player named Cleveland on the Browns. He, this guy is a monster, Nate. He's six foot six, which is a little tall for an interior blocker, and he's three hundred and forty-three pounds. But you know how you've talked about how Wyatt Teller is kind of built like the Mountain from Game of Thrones. Yeah. This this guy is the, the same thing. He is a monster. You know, he's had problems with his health a little bit. He had some academic issues, but man, he he's really good when he's on. Uh, he, I like him a lot. I, I think he's one of my my favorite players in the draft. Honestly, you know the one of my low key favorite players. I guess just a really good player. And then you have Trey Smith from Tennessee, and. Maybe this is where the the Haslam thing comes into play a little bit. He was the two-time Tennessee Mr. Football. Uh, he's a super blue-collar high recruit who was like inconsistent at Tennessee because that's what Tennessee is now as a as a program, really. But he has all of the athletic stuff you want. He is also six foot six, so he's taller too, and that comes with. You know, it's hard to get under defensive tackles when you're that tall. So there, there's a lot there to work with. He just needs good coaching, which the Browns have. So in Bill Callahan, um, and you have Deontay Brown from Alabama. So, you know, he's going to come into the NFL ready to go. He's 365 pounds, um, he is not built as, as mountain-like as Ben Cleveland, let's say. But he plays like a guy who's 365 pounds. Uh, so there's him. You have Kendrick Green of Illinois, who can play guard or center. So maybe he's a little redundant with Nick Harris. He's not very big. He's 6'2", 307. So he's, not, he's relatively not big. But he is a, a great mover. And in the brown system I, I think that matters a lot I think he's some he's a name to know and then you have cedarius hutcherson of south carolina who is kind of the same way athletic needs to play stronger that kind of stuff so nate those are my those are the guys i earmarked do any of them really strike you as that guy sounds like a brown
0: Well, I was going to ask you who's the best mover, because (laughs) when you're running the zone, which they like to run a lot, and that's so vital. Like, you're naming a couple guys who are, you know, 340, 350, 360-pound range, and I just wonder about the lateral movement skills. And I know Ben Cleveland might be deceiving that way. I'm looking at his 40 time, and it's ridiculous, but... I don't know about the lateral movement off the top of my head. You probably have a good feel for it. I'm just saying um, that is definitely going to be a key. That's really why they drafted Nick Harris. So, scheme fit was huge. Like, he's not even six mm-hmm. one. I don't think. I think he's six foot in change. Um, he, you know, he's not six 6'2". Let, let me say that. <laughs> he, right. He's not prototypical size, but they loved his ability to move and thought this is, this is an ideal center in this particular scheme. So, you know, I don't want to just say Ben Cleveland can't do it because we talked about Makai Becton being just huge. Mm -hmm. You know, when we were talking about last year's draft and the tackles yet, the ability to move like someone who's usually would someone who would usually be much smaller than he is. So I'm all with, your, your research and thinking <laughs> the, the best fit of those guys is gonna be the guy who has that lateral movement well here's a little more on Hutcherson because quite
1: frankly and I'm sure my voice reflects it when I get really excited talking football I forget to breathe so I was I was running out of breath when I got to Hutcherson uh, but he is he's a guy who's just around 64 He's about 320 pounds, which is pretty close to what Wyatt Teller is. Um, He was on the infamous or well, famous actually Bruce Feldman's freaks list, which if anybody doesn't know what that is, Bruce Feldman of the athletic every summer, he puts out a freaks list and it's athletic superstars. And if you're an interior blocker on that list, that's, that's high praise. So, He is a guy that has, again, all the physical stuff you want. He just needs, you know, to be coached up, which, again, Bill Callahan, man. So, you know, I I think the scheme fit guys, you're talking about him and you're talking about Kendrick Green of Illinois, uh, who, again, is not the biggest. And and power guys, from what I watched, give him a little trouble. But, again, you're working with athleticism. And really good footwork. If Bill Callahan can kind of fix his hand use, you, you probably have a player there, I think. So maybe those two, Nate, are the ones that that stick out for me. And of course, since I broke those guys down, the Browns are going to draft none of them, and they're going to draft Wyatt David of Ohio State or Jackson Carmen of Clemson. So yeah, th- those are the kind of the guys that stick out for me.
0: I I think that's definitely going to be one of the guys you didn't mention who they're going to pick. No, I'm just kidding. Um, No, this (laughs) is why it's it's worthwhile, you know, because, you know, we don't know. The draft is a draft, and and there's so Mm -hmm. many names to talk about, but you got to look at the positions that would make sense and potential scheme fits, and and that's, I mean, I think that's some spot-on stuff, and I, I really do think that the guard is an overlooked position they're going to address in the draft. So I like your chances of getting one of these, right?
1: Well, thank you very much. That's a, that's a, a true honor for me. Um, and speaking of the draft, I, I am a draft guide nerd. I'd like to t- take my own notes down and then look at draft guides and see what, how I thought about players compares a little bit. So if I were to suggest to anybody listening what draft guide to get because these things get expensive. Like the, the magazines are like $10 each. Now the pro football focus one this year for me is, is the best one out there. I don't remember how much their subscription cost because you do need to get that to get their draft guide, which Mike Renner heads up for them, but it's really good. So that, that's the one I suggest. Um Nate, do, do you got anything else before we get out of here this week?
0: I think that's good Dan Um, Just you know We'll connect again Probably next week Or the week after I've got um, You know more uh, Draft prospects I'm going to be writing About and plenty Of them and also uh, I'll uh, Tease a Kind of under the radar Browns player Who I'm looking forward to writing about and hopefully we can Talk about next time we Record
1: Ooh. I don't even know who that is, so I, I'm definitely looking forward to that. In the meantime, like I said, Nate has a, a really good story up on Asante Samuel Jr. That's over at BeaconJournal.com/sports/Browns. Our colleague George Thomas has some draft profiles up that are are really good. We got the as much of a list of the players we know that will be in Cleveland. Um, Marla has stuff on the Miami guys. Steve Dorshuk has uh, the, the 10 most interesting players who were picked at 26, which is a, a fun little read. So check all that out. If you can, please subscribe to the Beacon Journal uh, to help support uh, everything we do. So without subscriptions, we, we can't do this kind of stuff. So please subscribe there. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That will help us also. Thank you if you've done that. Uh, but that is going to do it for this week's cover, too. Thank you very much for
0: listening this week. And we will talk to you next time.